Thank you for listening to the Park Church Podcast. I hope you enjoy the sermon. Our Bible reading this morning is from Psalm 1. The Psalms are a life resource for God's people, written out of real life experience. They present the nitty-gritty of life. They present real spiritual realities, real difficulties, but also a real God, the God of life, the one and only living God who is over all and in all. So, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Amen. May God add his blessing to this reading of his most holy word. Who are the goodies and who are the baddies? I asked my dad. It was a very important question as far as I was concerned. We'd gone as a family to the pictures. My dad had come straight from work and had arrived a bit late, so the film had already started when we got in. It was a cowboy, as most of the films we were taking to in those days were. And at this point in the film, one group of riders were pursuing another. And I wanted to know who were the goodies and who were the baddies. I wasn't sure which was which. And for a wee boy brought up in a diet of Hopalong Cassidy, the Cisco Kid and the Lone Ranger, William Boyd, Randolph Scott and John Wayne, it was important to know. Important that in true cowboy fashion, things were black and white. Important that there was no confusion. There is no such confusion in Psalm 1. Who the goodies are and who the baddies are is crystal clear. Things are black and white. In Psalm 1, which I invite you to turn to now, the goodies are the righteous, the baddies are the wicked. The book of Psalms opens focusing on the righteous and the wicked in terse terms. The psalmist wants us to sit up and pay attention. He wants to grab our attention, wants us to sit up and take notice, wants us to see that someone presents an issue which is of supreme 
importance. In the psalm, two ways, two humanities, two destinies are clearly spelled out. The psalmist is concerned that there be no misunderstanding. And Jesus himself summed up this concern in Matthew 7 and verse 13 and 14 when he said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Psalm 1 depicts this truth, as already said, in terse terms. The psalmist is saying to you and to me, there is nothing more crucial than belonging to the assembly of the righteous, as verse 5 puts it. And so it's from the perspective of the righteous that we approach the psalm this morning, contrasting them, the righteous, with the wicked, as we consider the direction of the believer's life, the description of the believer's life, and the destiny of the believer's life. So firstly, the direction of the believer's life. My dad was made redundant at 55, and unable to find another job, took one as a traffic warden. In those days, traffic wardens did points duty directing the traffic at intersections like Bridge and Cross. Sometimes particular roads were to be avoided due to an accident, congestion, or roadworks. And so the warden directed vehicles away from them. To take these routes would have landed them in trouble. They were to be avoided. In Psalm 1, the righteous are initially described in the way they avoid. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, says verse 1. Here are three ways of departure from God, picturing conformity to the world at three different levels, accepting its counsel, its advice, being party to its ways, and adopting its attitudes, the attitude of a mocker. Someone who in the end wants nothing to do with godliness and faithfulness. This is the way of the wicked. It takes a downward direction. At first walking, then standing, finally sitting. Adopting a fixed position. Being of the world. Perhaps this wasn't the person's first intention. But it is their final destination. And as we shall see, ultimately, it is an eternal destination. Blessed, happy are those who do not take this direction. Happy are those who go against the flow, who swim against the current, who march to a different drummer. Those who are different from the world. Those who are counter-cultural. Counter cultural always have difficulty with that little phrase. Are we different? Are we different from the world? Is the direction of our life discernibly different from the world? Can people see the difference in us as believers? If what we believe 
makes no difference. And it makes no difference what we believe. Does what we believe affect our lifestyle, affect our actions? If we were brought before a court and charged with being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict us? We are, of course, unlikely to end up in court because we are Christians. But not so long ago, that's exactly what happened to the Asher family in Northern Ireland. They found themselves in court for holding to God's word and acting in accord with it, thus determining not to support gay marriage. They resisted pressure to conform. A very old lady, aged 104, was asked, what's the best thing about being 104? She replied, no peer pressure. (laughs) But we're not 104. And there are pressures. Pressures to conform. The world is constantly changing in dizzying fashion. And we are told we have to keep in step, have to toe the line. Romans 12 and 2 says, no. G.B. Phillips' paraphrase of this verse says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Resist such pressures. Pressures in the workplace, pressures from friends, perhaps even pressures from family. Don't go with the flow. Go in the right direction. Go God's way. And the psalm makes clear what enables us to do so, what enables us to turn away from the world's way, what enables us to take the right way. Verse 2 tells us this about the righteous, but his or her delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law, he or she meditates day and night. The believer, having been warned of the way not to be taken, is now pointed in the right direction. In a world of many competing voices, we are going to take our directions from somewhere or someone. The believers take theirs from the word of God, the law of the Lord, not the counsel of the wicked. The law of the Lord works like an old-style traffic warden, pointing us in the right direction, showing us the way to go. The law of the Lord. In Hebrew, the Torah of the Lord. Torah basically means direction or instruction. The noun Torah comes from a verb, yara, which means to throw something, like a dart, so that it hits the target. God's law, his word, is aimed at us, like a dart. It is intentional. It is personal in nature. It is designed to hit the target of our life. God's word, to use the words of Hebrews 4.12, penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word is designed to shape new life in us, designed to mold us. Like a dart thrown at a board, God's word hits us, strikes home, makes an impact, lodges in us. God's word penetrates our lives. 
gets to work in us, changing us, changing our direction, changing our ways. And this because it speaks to us. God's Word speaks to us. Who would you most like to have a conversation with? Whose company would you delight to be in? Ask folk in the street, and I'm sure you would get all manner of answers. Those who are great in people's eyes. Film stars, sports personalities, creative composers, ingenious inventors, skillful surgeons, amazing authors, world leaders. We too may have someone we would like to have such a conversation with. Someone we consider great. But as great as God. The creator God who made all that there is. God the Father who made it possible for us to be sons and daughters. God the Son who gave his life a ransom for many. God the Holy Spirit who leads his people into all truth. This is the great, good, and gracious God who speaks to us, mere mortals, through his word. Do we really stop to consider this? Does it produce in us the delight we read of here in verse 2? His or her delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he or she meditates day and night. What causes the believer to turn away from the way of the wicked, to go in another direction? His or her delight in the law of the Lord. His or her preoccupation with God's word. Does God's word delight us? Are we preoccupied with it? Do we meditate on it? Do we ponder it with the intent of internalizing what it says? What do I mean by this? When Helen and I travel in the car, she drives, I navigate. <laughs> I'm not a sat-nav man. I rely on paper and pencil, a drawn map. But sometimes my navigational skills <clears throat> are not all that need to be. And we find ourselves in unfamiliar territory, <clears throat> or lost, as Helen would put it. When this happens, I'm in that unenviable position as far as a man is concerned. I have to go and ask for directions. <laughs> Having done so, I repeat those directions to the person who's given them to me. Then, as I walk back to the car, I repeat them to myself. Then, I repeat them to Helen. And what I'm doing all the time is internalizing them, is getting them into my head. The word meditating in the psalm carries something of this idea. We are to work God's word into our minds regularly and consistently. Day and night, as the psalmist puts it, meditating on God's word. And that involves work, involves time, involves commitment. Do we spend time meditating on God's word? 
do we put time aside to read our Bible? Is it a priority? What is a priority? A priority is something we always find time to do. Most of us live busy lives with many competing demands on our time. Carving out time to read our Bible may be a challenge, but it's time well spent. For this is what keeps the believer going in the right direction. And often what keeps them afloat in hostile or indifferent environments like school or work or even the home. Situations in which God's word, when recalled, can sustain us. Words like God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble from Psalm 46 and verse 1. Words like, if God is for us, who can be against us? In Romans 8 and verse 31. Words that put us under the shadow of God's wing. Words that enable us to stand on the rock that is God's faithfulness. Words that enable us to hang on for another day. Words that are a necessity for our survival, but also a delight. Words that can give us direction. What gives our life direction? The counsel of the wicked or the law of the Lord? We stand to sing Mission Praise 458. Man of sorrows, what a name. Mission Praise 458.
the direction of the believer's life and the description of the believer's life. <clears throat> Our middle son, Scott, <coughs> excuse me, gave me a book for a Christmas present a few years back. It was a history of Christianity. A massive 1,112 pages of small type. <laughs> About every two or 300 pages there were illustrations. A blessed relief. <laughs> we don't have to wait anything like as long as that in Psalm 1. In verse 3 and 4, we are given two illustrations, two visual aids. The first is a tree. The righteous person is like a tree. We are given a picture of a person whose life is directed by the law of the Lord, the Word of God. They are like a tree planted by streams of water. The righteous person has stability, being planted, rooted like a tree. The righteous person has vitality. They are planted by streams of water. The righteous person has productivity. The tree yields its fruit in season. The righteous person has durability. Here is a tree whose leaf does not wither. And the righteous person has prosperity. All he does prospers. What only ups in this believer's life. No downs, no doubts no disappointments. We don't have to go very far into the Psalms to see that this is not the case. Psalm 3, which we will look at in a few weeks' time, is written, as the title tells us, in the context of terrible trouble. What we have in Psalm 1 is contrast for effect, contrast between the righteous and the wicked. The wicked are like chaff, the wind blows away. The second vigil aid is chaff. Here the image is of a farmer on the threshing floor. His fork scoops up the grain and throws it into the air, whereupon the wind blows the light chaff away. The tree represents stability and vitality. The chaff depicts rootlessness and ruin. Rootlessness nothing to hold, nothing to anchor, nothing to keep. Rootlessness and ruin, the wicked are like chaff, unable to stand in the judgment, they will perish. The righteous, in New Testament terms, those rooted in Christ, will, like the tree, know the vitality water brings. In the believer's case, the water of life, the Holy Spirit welling up within them, bringing life, enabling them to bear fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Not so the wicked, according to verse 4. They have no root in Christ. They have no life in them. They are chaff, an empty husk spiritually. No matter how rich, how powerful, how influential, in eternal terms, they are chaff. They have no substance. How would we describe our life? Like a tree or chaff? No one likes to think of themselves as chaff or describe anyone else as chaff. 
But that is how the law of the Lord typifies humankind as the righteous and the wicked. And as already said, God's word does so in very stark black and white terms to convey as the book of Psalms opens how absolutely crucial it is to be in the assembly of the righteous. And that is the truth that has to be conveyed to our community. If it is a matter of such supreme importance, if we believe what the Bible says, if this is such a matter of extreme importance, this is a truth that has to be communicated to our community. It has to be conveyed, put into words that resonate with folk who are increasingly in our secular society apathetic, disinterested, suspicious, or sometimes even hostile to the gospel. In such circumstances, we have to work extremely hard to gain a listening ear, to establish relationships that will give us the opportunity to talk of Jesus. Jesus, who alone can save, bring life in all its fullness. If, to go back to the picture of the tree, we are rooted in Christ, we are to bear fruit, yes, inwardly, but this in order that we can live fruitful lives, be fishers of men and women, make disciples. That is why engaging with our community is so important. Whether running the coffee services, opening the church to host hustings, providing space for Uddingston Pride's craft fair, holding a craft club in the David Millen Centre, participating in the community fundy, and seeking through the Cinnamon Project to determine if other means of blessing the community might be possible. All of these and other activities provide the opportunity to draw alongside people and enter into genuine relationship. Not regarding people as pew fodder, but as men and women, boys and girls, made in the image of God and precious in His sight. Those we desire to be friends with, irrespective of where that may end but trusting that for some it will lead to life in all its fullness through faith in Jesus Christ. Lead them into the assembly of the righteous. And all of this needs to be carried out in a spirit of humility. For the righteous are of course only so because through faith in Jesus Christ they have been declared righteous deserving judgment, they have received pardon. As we sang earlier, bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a saviour. If we are rooted in Christ, it is only because we are sinners saved by grace. In Jesus Christ, believers have experienced God's love for the unlovely. They have been shown grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Only by grace can we enter. Only by grace can we stand. 
Stand in the assembly of the righteous. Stand through nothing we have done. But because of everything that God and Jesus Christ has done for us, which one day will enable us, the water of life welling up within us, to stand in the assembly of the righteous. We stand to sing the old version of Amazing Grace, Mission Praise number 33, sorry, 31. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. of the believer's life, the destiny of the believer's life. Finally, the psalm points ahead to the believer's destiny and does so again by contrasting the wicked and the righteous. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Therefore, at the beginning of verse 5, shows where it is all heading to. The judgment, the final judgment. That is why Psalm 1 is so serious and solemn. 
Implicit in these concluding verses is the question the prophet Jeremiah asks in Jeremiah 5 in verse 31. And the question is, what will you do in the end? What will you do when the end comes? Lines from a Bob Dylan song say, Have you some unfinished business? Is there something holding you back? Are you thinking for yourself or following the pack? Are you ready? Hope you're ready. Are we ready? Verse 5 is intended to stir a sense of urgency by focusing on those who are not ready. They will not stand in the judgment because they have not been accepted as righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. And so have no place in the assembly of the righteous, have no place within God's people, and therefore have no hope. They will perish. They will perish in New Testament terms because they have not believed the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Life with God in the family of God, known by God, watched over by God. As verse 6 tells us, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. He knows the way they take. What comfort there is in those words for believers. The Lord knows every twist and turn in their life and is concerned about every step the righteous take. That does not mean a trouble-free life. But it does mean that the Lord is with them every step of the way. Watching over every step that they take. Including that last step into the judgment. For they are his his flock, his church, his people. Those who have entered by the narrow gate, entered through faith in Jesus Christ. He who says, I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. The first word of the psalm is blessed. The last is perish. The righteous are blessed, the wicked perish. The righteous and the wicked, the goodies and the baddies. Who are the goodies and who are the baddies? It was an important question for me all those years ago in the pictures. Important to me that I knew who was who. It's so much more important that we know clearly 
who's who from the Bible's point of view. Important that we know clearly who are the goodies and who are the baddies, who are the righteous and who are the wicked. For there is nothing more important than in the end we stand in the assembly of the righteous. Where will we stand? With the goodies or the baddies? The righteous or the wicked? Amen. As the offering is brought forward, we stand to sing Mission Praise 914. Only by grace can we enter. Only by grace can we stand. Let's pray. Lord God, we come into your presence only by grace. And so we come to say thank you for your grace towards us in Jesus Christ. And to place before you these our offerings. Asking that you would take them and bless them and use them 
Use them here in this place and in other places. That your grace might be made known. Lord, we long that others would come to stand in this assembly. We pray that you would enable us to live lives that are worthy of the gospel. Lives that seek to show forth the love of Jesus Christ. Lives that are directed by your word. Lives, Father, that say all that we are, we are in Jesus Christ. Father, never cause us to lift ourselves up or to look down on anyone else. Help us to remember who we are. Sinners saved by grace. And therefore, Father, enable us to offer that grace in his name. And this we ask in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Park Church Podcast. I hope you enjoy the sermon.